Priestess and the Cauldron, a podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years' combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. Hello. Hello, hello. So, here we are on a nice rainy yep. Friday. We just had some <laughs> thunder. I don't like it. When I left out, you don't like it? I don't like thunder. <laughs> well, did we have thunder? I didn't even know we had thunder. I was busy trying to drive home, and we had lots of, you know, police and ambulances because mm. somehow people, when it rains, and I know that people in the snow say the same thing, nobody knows how to do it. They suddenly lose their compass on what to do. So, right. You know. But anyway, so now we are actually um, sitting here in two different places for the day. Yes, yes. My yes. my uterus decided it was going to try and rebel, and I... <laughs> Uh, for any for any folks who know me personally, and I may have mentioned this on the radio show before, I'm not sure. I talk about menstruation a lot. Um, I am uh, I do not like how in our mainstream world bleeding is treated as this taboo, gross thing that you're supposed to hide. So I'm very open uh-huh. and loud, and maybe a little obnoxious <laughs> about my menstrual cycle. But needless to say, I'm I'm struggling right now. I'm in a, uh-huh. a little bit of pain. And so I decided to call in to the show and do it from home instead of instead of doing it with Elvira face to face, which is much our preferred method. But you know, the uterus won tonight. Hey, and I totally understand since I a I'm not there anymore with the bleeding, but I do remember <laughs> the awesome feeling of being like, "Why did you decide to take me down?" I really right. appreciate it. Yeah. So I have no problem with the process of being in your nice place and, and, you know, dealing with it that way. Yeah, I'll admit I'm wearing a robe and slippers right now. Well, I was halfway there. Um, I got my slippers on (laughs) and my nice socks, but I never quite got into changing into my jammies. But it would have been that we would have both been sitting here doing it in jammies. I'm, you know, all for it, but... Again, it's the weather. It kind of begs for us to kind of have, you know, like we should have hot chocolate or something. Mm-hmm. Totally. That being said, so I will ask my favorite question, you know, outside of this particular day, how was your mm-hmm. week? My week has been very busy as per usual. Um, yesterday <laughs> my daughter turned 16, so we oh, had... happy birthday, yeah, so we had many uh, birthday adventure things and a family gathering last night. And right now, actually, she's off with her friends doing her friend gathering. And um, tomorrow she's having more parties with her dad and his family. And so the you know party continues. Uh-huh. Um, so that's been 
fun and weird. It boggles my mind that I have a 16-year-old child. I don't really understand how that happened. Wow. Uh, but yeah. that's, you know, besides just kind of the regular life busy stuff, that's been the my little special thing this week. How are you doing, Elvira? Oh, well, I get to rant a bit, I guess. I'm feeling a little ranty. Mm. Not randy, ranty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love my clients. I love doing the work I do. Um, and over the years, uh, you know, we have people that, you know, have come in our lives, stay long, stay short, drive us crazy, um, and then go on about their business. And when I say drive us crazy, it's it's because their their needs, their energies are so stuck or spun in a specific way, and you're trying to help them reformat, and they're just not going there. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, I have been dealing with a particular type of individual, and this is why I'm on my rant. I am I want magic in the world to be the way we all envision it. I want it to be able to burn candles and do rituals and, you know, do all the things, you know, clang the bells and everything and have what you want in that ritual in that situation happen. Immediately. And yeah, unfortunately <laughs> there is another part of the equation. And mm. we, it's just when somebody says to you that your work didn't do what you, she or he wanted it mm-hmm. and come the way they wanted it, and then you turn around and say, I've said this over and over in all the readings and all the times, and we, we even do invoices where we have, you know, particular statements we make about doing magic and doing mm-hmm. rituals and doing whatever. And very upset and wanting, you know, a certain amount of of recompense. Like, if this didn't work, I want this. And I want you to do it for free because I paid you for this and it didn't work and you owe me this. And I'm like, um, no. <laughs> I did right. the work and, you know, we got all the little things that show it, the pictures and the emails. And then after all that is done, I go, okay, look. I will do a candle for you. I will do a visual candle, and I will put it, pack it with exactly the kind of energy that will, you know, come out as best it can. But again, invoice goes out with the information. Unfortunately, the individual, and they agreed until they got the invoice, and they realized it wasn't identical to what they had paid the ritual work. It was a candle, mm-hmm. and they got very upset at me. And they kept trying to prevent, present me as not keeping to my ethics and my word and, and a, a bunch of things, really just bullying me and bullying mm. And I still did the candle, and I put all the things aside, and I did this. And then, of course, it turned out to be a fairly good thing. Unfortunately, she did not get the job she wanted, of course, and that was because this wasn't a ritual or whatever. Anyway... My one thought on this is is that why continue to push for something that you already said, I, in, in essence, the things I did before didn't work. Why do that? So my, my rant is basically that I am disturbed that people want something to happen the way they want it, in the manner they want it, and have magic do this because, you, you know, it's going to be you put up, coin in, you push the button for an apple and right. you get an apple out. 
Right. And that's not what magic does. No. no. That's my rant. Yeah, I'm and, sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's been the, the gist of, you know, my coming to grips with, you know, you put yourself out, you do the things, you do it, and you know you're going to find that something doesn't go right. And here's the other part. How many times have we done our work for ourselves or had people do it for us or whatever, you know, and right. it doesn't work in getting us exactly what we were looking for. Right. But then something happens, and we either get something completely out of left field that we never thought of, or the thing that we wanted so much down the road we actually find would have been the worst thing in the world for us to have. Right, right. You know, and that unfortunately is is what wisdom is about, and I guess... Because, you know, you couldn't have told me some of the things that now I look at and tell people back when I was in my 20s and 30s and even in my 40s somewhere. You know, when it comes to doing magic, you have to leave room for spirit, you know. Like, you don't always know what's best, and we all have guides and allies that help us out, and sometimes they can see the road better than we can. You have to leave a little bit of room for that. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's it's teaching me more. This is, I guess, why even the rant is kind of like a half, I don't want to say half-assed, but it's just, it, it's there and I'm frustrated with the process. But in reality, it's it's kind of teaching me to not engage in the conflict. Mm-hmm. And that is, a, you know, and that is out in the world, too. I mean, um, all of what we're seeing and hearing on, on all levels of our yeah. lives. You know, how... Yes, we can be active and proactive and engaged in, you know, that. But there's a part of us that needs to stay withdrawn from the conflict, and that's the part that's our center. And in some ways, the fact that we're choosing to do a a God this time, and, you know, we mm. do throw in gods every once in a while, obviously. And <laughs> throw Shiva in a is, God. <laughs> I throw in a God. I'm not throwing in the towel, at least. <laughs> that you know, it's it's Shiva has a very interesting dynamic to this, and I found it very fascinating as I was going through this thing over here in my personal, business, professional environment, and I'm researching this this deity, and I'm watching, and I'm going, wow, there's some really yeah. profound things for me to to catch here about the dynamics. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's it. That's my you know like an end and jumping into Shiva. I will let you. Talk about something that in our pre, we always talk before the recording, um, you were discussing about Mm -hmm. deities in the Hindu and the Hindu tradition and all of that, and I'm going to turn this over to you. Okay. The other thing that's interesting is today is Holi. Um, It's a... It's a festival in the Hindu tradition. You may have seen um, images of it where people are covered in powdered colors, and it, mm-hmm. everyone looks a hot mess, and it's, it looks amazingly fun and interesting and exciting. That's today. Uh, oh, wow. And it's not necessarily related to, to Shiva, but we decided just arbitrarily to do Shiva as our topic tonight, and it happens to be a holy day in the Hindu faith. So I just thought that was funny. That well, is. Synchronicity. There is what? Synchronicity? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. So what I wanted in our little, in the little write-up I did for today's show, I wrote, 
Um, plus a bonus cultural appropriation conversation. <laughs> <laughs> because what could I felt it be like defining those. Yeah, right. I felt like we couldn't talk about Hinduism or Hindu God without just addressing the topic of cultural appropriation. And so, you know, th- it seems like a wise place to start because the question for me was, and I, I recently had a conversation with a friend who is Hindu. It's actually a, a husband and wife who are Hindu. And I was asking them, you know, how do you, how do you become a Hindu? And they said, you don't. <laughs> they, they, they said, if you're not Hindu, you don't get to, to con- there's no conversion to Hinduism. And uh, so I started to research getting ready for tonight's topic. Like, okay, well that's, that's, you know, these two people's opinions and what are other opinions? And what I'm finding over and over again is you, you can't convert to Hinduism. And part of that is because the, the spirituality, the religion is so overlaid with the caste system. And part of how you worship as a Hindu is connected to your caste. So, you know, in the caste system is, is this hierarchy of where you belong in society based on the family you were born into. And it's actually really difficult. You have, you have people who are born into wealthy families. You have people who are born into middle class families, just like you do in any other culture. But then you have people born into what are called the untouchables. And these are the outcasts of society. And it's not that they've done anything wrong. It's not that they're, there's anything you know, wrong or bad or, or evil or anything like that about these folks, they were just born into this caste system. And so depending on the caste system is how you get to worship, the gods that you worship, and so on and so forth. So it's impossible to become Hindu because you can't just join a caste. You have to be born into the caste. So it's really a complicated issue. However, also, what I've discovered and what I'm reading and, and what my Hindu friends have explained is they don't really care if non-Hindu people worship Hindu gods. They don't, there's not a big problem with cultural appropriation or um, other people doing it other ways. And, and so this is a very interesting conversation that I've been having with lots of specifically white Western pagans is you know, if you run into a culture where they don't actually care how you connect to their deities and they're, they aren't worried about cultural appropriation, do we still need to be worried about it? Um, and and that, the answer to that question I'm finding varies very widely between pagan to pagan and how, how sensitive a specific person might be to other cultures. So I think it's a very difficult topic. Um uh-huh. And the bottom line is, if you're not born a Hindu, according to the Hindu system, you can't convert to being Hindu. So, however, and plus, (laughs) (laughs) all the at least my very humble opinion is if you feel a calling to a Hindu God and you feel like working with a Hindu God to go for it. But to make sure you're doing it respectfully and that you're not taking a Hindu uh, ritual or a Hindu mantra or a Hindu um, ritual or whatever and and westernizing it in a way that fits into your box. Try fitting into that box first. Um, But that's just my my opinion. You all do what you want. Well, obviously, that's called free will, right? Yes. But at least we've we've, um, by 
bringing this to the fore and discussing it before we start launching into our little topic here, it, uh, it puts it into a framework that allows each person to make their decisions, just like you say, you're asking different pagans and they, the, the yeah. um, answers wa- arrange widely. So yes. it is, a, you know, and, and, trying, and doing something with um, respect is really the most important thing anyway. I mean, think about being respectful to the spirit. However it moves in whatever tradition, whether you're born into it or you feel called to it or, you know, being respectful. And that goes to the whole system of, you know, the culture itself that you're, you're utilizing um, the, the background for. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think very highly of, of, you know, people that I do know that are, are from the Hindu uh traditions and beliefs and you know i it's it's interesting because i think westerners and and you know white westerners have an mm-hmm. issue about the fact that they have and we, we've talked about this i think before that you know they've kind of been chopped up and and thrown out in pieces because there's nothing consistent or continual or something they feel they can draw on because Things have been overlaid from different environments, and so when you get, it's like when we came into the United States, or people went to Hawaii, or you know, there the the, um, and even in in Europe and everything, the 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 marauding hordes that come in and take over, yeah, without the respect. So, but. There we are. I actually wanted to also mention that I was actually at the store today. I was kind of taking a um, spot for Polly, who wasn't there because she was sick, and so just having a reader on premises. And the lady was uh, was saying, well, I have to get going. And so there was a, a customer. She turned she says, oh, I just finished listening to one of your podcasts, and they're so great, and I love them. And I just love how you talk and banter back and forth and, and all that. So I on, on the air, um, I don't know her name and I don't want to you know I'll go into a big thing about uh, this but I really want to thank her and other people that we have um, heard from about how they like our our show and and how they like how we put it together so thank you yeah that's wonderful thank you yeah okay so Shiva Shiva what is he what does he do well I think um so the the thing to understand first about Hindu faith and Hindu um, the hierarchy of the gods is that its very most basic level there is one God. Uh, God uh, is formless um, and reality and the supreme, the universal soul, and and most traditionally that is Brahman, and that is truth and reality. And and so some people might say that you know. Um, Hinduism isn't polytheistic because all gods lead back to one God. And that's true. It's actually pantheistic. There is one huge God that is the universe of all. And then all of these other gods are emanations of that God. Uh-huh. And the, there is a holy trinity of gods in the, in the system. So we have like Brahman, the main life force, the all, the nothing, the encompassing and Shiva is uh, uh, one of the three faces of that. 
mm-hmm. uh, one of the first faces of that. Brahma being the creator, Vishnu being the preserver, and Shiva being the destroyer. Mm-hmm. Yes, and also there is the fact that it's because, again, we just want to throw in things that make our heads spin. Um, he also has the creative process on the other side. So he is the destroyer, but he isn't really just the destroyer. Is that, you know, he holds the dance of the energy of the universe and brings back life. So, right. Yeah, he, he kind of has that duality of, of both sides, but, you know, yeah. for many, many stories, he's he comes in and he does the destruction, but then in in actuality, he also brings forth the birthing of the next level or the next yes. experience or the yes. next world. Yeah, and and to add a layer of complication, you know, the Hindus believe in reincarnation. So you have these, these emanations of sort of what I might refer to as the high gods, and then there are go- then they die, or, or gods are, you know, there's a fight and a god dies or whatever, and then they're reincarnated, like Shiva's wife, is Parvati, is reincarnated, but she's originally, I can't remember all her names now, I probably have it here in my notes somewhere, but she doesn't start out as Parvati, she starts out as... Um, Shakti, I'm, I think, isn't it? Yeah, Shakti. Sh- yeah, Shakti is the, the feminine life force, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Shiva's married like a dozen times, but they're all the same entity mm-hmm. that that is going mm-hmm. through reincarnation. Mm-hmm. So that adds just a little extra confusion in there for you. <laughs> right. Well, and and there you go with all of the and the names and the and the versions. I mean, uh, the primitive, primitive. It was interesting because I didn't even, you know, I was trying to figure out what some of the things are because I didn't do diagrams. I figured that was going to be a little bit overkill. But, you know, when you look at his different names is the different incarnations, the different aspects. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the one that I think most, most Westerners know is, you know, his um, being the corpse on which Kali dances. Right. So, I mean, but that's not just, that's just one aspect of it because Kali is also an aspect of Pravati. Right. So, you know, we have, so, you know, you have, I found it interesting because, of course, I go for attributes and things like, you know, like lists. I love lists, you know, this thing and that thing. But um, we have that which we will share, and and I, I think we can go into maybe one or two stories, like uh, the story of the churning of the Milky Way. Sure. We had that with Hathor, actually, um, to come up another another time. We've done that. So where would you like to go with this? Tell us a story, Elvira. Ah, (laughs) A story. Well, what I'm going to do is in my myriad, myriad of, you know, things. I will look at the, the, we'll do with the churning of the, the, well, it's the milk ocean, actually, is what they call, which is actually, you know, what saved the world. Is this the story of Lakshmi? I believe it's the story where he takes on the serpent and is poisoned. Mm. Because he's also dealt with poison. Um, And in you know, it's kind of like he rescues people through this situation. But, yes, he, he winds up um, basically uh, 
Vishnu is in the, the second incarnation because he has different ones he goes through and he's on the tortoise one and, and of course Shiva is is coming down to the ocean bed and he has to recover lost treasures and so there's certain treasures that he was going to go do and and so that was what he was off doing and you know we can talk about the different treasures but there are various things that are sacred to the the uh, faith of traditions that uh, represent uh, the Hindu faith and so then he winds up Meanwhile, the um, the serpent, uh, and I have to try this, Vasuki, is um, one of the things that is brought forth. Well, it you know basically comes out as a deadly poison, and the asuras are playing tug of war <laughs> between you know the um, the divas and the and the asuras, and they're playing tug of war, and so it squirts <coughs> out. And it becomes basically it's, it goes to the to the world and it becomes the flood and it starts to destroy everything. So obviously Shiva has to help you know take care of this because oh my God we're going to lose everything. So he basically swallowed the poison before it actually hit the earth too much, and so it burned his throat. And um, but it made him you know again he is impervious to poison in a, in the truest sense, but it left a blue mark. And that blue mark is one of the things that you see on all the paintings. Mm. So that is one of his many things that he basically goes off and does and comes back again helping out. And there's always, you know, it's like we were talking, I think, when we did Odin, you know, about the um, the Asuras are the demons and then um, the Divas are the, are the gods and the goddesses. Right. There's always this battle between those groups yeah and so, so he's part of that but not necessarily leading the the demons he's kind of like the demon fighter even though he's the lord of demons you know or prince of demons right so so and um as i said many many names that, that i couldn't pronounce half of them <laughs> that i wrote down but i look at them and go there's no way i'm going to try and get that out so um, do you have a story that you would like to share? I don't have a story. I actually went super heady on this one and did mostly uh, facts and figures and Hindu stuff. Um, well, then, so, throw some facts yeah. at us so our head can get heavy. Facts. All right, let's okay. see. What else can we do? Oh, some of the... Um, the ways that Shiva shows up physically, you know, some facts and figures there. So he is, and I'm saying he, Shiva is a man. However, he is not always shown as in a male body. Sometimes you see Shiva with a half, there's a line right down the center and half of his body is a man's body and half of his body is a woman's body. Um, Genitalia and all split right down the middle uh, that is a specific representation of Shiva. It, this is when he is in his Mahashivrati form. That's often during the um, when there is a celebration of the lingam and the pouring. And I'll talk about the lingam and all that fun stuff. But that's when him and Parvati are at their their union, their ultimate union. They form into one being who is both gendered. I find that pretty cool. Mm-hmm. 
That is um, actually reminds me of the world, the, the tarot card, the world in at least the rider deck, where you yeah. have the individual that is both sexes. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Beyond gender. Yeah. Uh, you also often see him pictured when he's in artwork with a third eye. And that is because, uh-huh. you know, the third eye, we all have a third eye, but this just shows that how open and aware his third eye is, that he can understand the effect of, of karma on our lives. He can see the future. He, um, and that eye holds power. Like he can open that eye with different um, emotions and it will have impact. So if he opens uh-huh. the third eye in anger, it can actually cause a fire that consumes things. If he opens the eye in sadness, it can cause tears that flood. Cause you know, remember uh-huh. he's the destroyer, right? Um, uh-huh. As you mentioned, Elvira, there's that thing with the poison. And so you often see Shiva with a cobra necklace. He uh-huh. has power over the most dangerous creatures uh, a snake represents the power of resurrection and destruction because the snake sheds its skin, right? So that's part of Shiva's power. Um, there is He's often um, shown with a trident, which is oh, yeah. supposed to represent the triumvirate nature of the Shiva, Brahma, Vishnu threefold, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I really love, because I just noticed shit like this, he's often dressed in animal skin. Um, or wearing animal skin, or um, sitting on animal skin. And it's often like, it looks like a a cheetah or a a leopard, a jaguar, Uh something, you know, a wild cat. And this is also Uh true of the Greek god Dionysus. And there is some um, belief that, you know, Dionysus went wandering um, in, in his madness. And so I wonder, because of that, that, piece of imagery if there is some uh-huh. relation between Dionysus and Shiva like if they are distant relatives you know I just love it uh-huh. 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 well I suspect that probably there is I mean yeah. you know, that also happened with Jesus when he went wandering too right yeah and yeah um, so there's also, but there's a bull. He loves to also ride on the white bull called Nike. Right. And I mm-hmm. like that. It's his vehicle. You know, that kind of goes, okay. And thinking of the bull, again, you think of Crete and the bull jumping right. and the whole thing right. around that. So you see the connections of, and even in, in Egyptian, you can see how all of these energies kind of meld together. So... For obvious reasons, the male energy of the of the bull is very yang, you know, very kind of a thing. Right, so. right, and the cow is a very sacred animal in India in general, but mm-hmm. in the in the mm-hmm. Hindu faith, um, many Hindus are vegetarian. Not all of them, many are, but even if they're not vegetarian, they don't eat beef. Right, mm-hmm. right. So it does have that, and the bow. I know that the bow is an emblem of his power too. Mm. Eating the bow. There's there's a couple of stories. I don't have them written down, but I, in reading all the things quickly, I remember there was the bow and the arrow, and I'm thinking, wow, okay, this guy's got a lot of things going for him. But, <laughs> uh, you know, as that goes. So okay, so we've got facts there and what those things are, and yep. um, 
what about the lingam? I think that that in you know there there is um, something very. Anytime anyone hears that and sees that, it's kind of like ah, and they immediately you know connect in. And because our modern culture has had such a reawakening in the '60s with you know all the different uh, energies that they did through meditation and yoga and all of that. And I know that it probably was even farther back, but it really got popularized at that point that Mm -hmm. most people know what a lingam is and a Shiva lingam. And if nothing else, they've at least seen it once in a picture. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, well, you can find lingam stones, which actually kind of look like long eggs. And... Uh uh, and lingam stones traditionally come from this river in India, and they're believed to be a representation of, of Shiva's genitals. And uh-huh. part of the deal is, you know, Shiva is a very passionate god. He has very um, uh, extremes in his behavior. He can, he uh-huh. can, uh, he's never like moderate. He's either very uh, withdrawn and calm and reserved, or he's wild and hedonistic and you know, Dionysian, uh-huh. right? And it, it is only his relationship with his wife, Parvati, that brings balance. And that's why the two of them are, you know, you see that, that the imagery of the two of them as one being, that is ultimate balance. Um, and so you see these, these lingam stones that, you know, I mentioned you can get the actual stones or there uh-huh. is the Shiva lingam and it is, um, it is like a dish and it, it's often made out of, of, Stone, um, mm-hmm. but it has a phallic piece to it, <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. and then ar- and then around the phallic part is sort of a, a saucer almost, and you pour libation to Shiva, and often this is milk, uh, and this also represents semen. And you pour that over the lingam, and it will gather in this the sort of moat around it for lack of a better word and often they will even have like a a pour spout where then the the milk will gather and pour off of the lingam stone and you can either you know offer that as a sacred drink or offer that into the ground as a blessing Uh, but there's this whole ritual process of working with the lingam stones Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. wow well there you go it's kind of rumpf uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. So there that is and there are um again not necessarily but stones with holes in them become the yoni and of course the yeah. lingam and you would have another one of the representations would be the stone with the yoni at the bottom being right. you know what we obviously know is penetration and there we are. So mm-hmm. um, and all pillars were considered, you know, Shiva lingams. So that all temples had them and houses had them. So they were, you know, it was part of the architecture. It was part of the the ritual. It was part of all that, which again goes back to our our concepts of balance. You know, the positive, the negative, the the destruction, the creation. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, I guess in a way with Shiva, I found that because he represented in most instances the destructive but it's also the creative and that the love and the parvati aspect balanced 
both out. Mm-hmm. You know, the balancing of the energies, but both of these in, individual deities took part in it. And one of the things I was telling you is that it was a very interesting thing to hear that it's basically the destruction of the form, mm-hmm. not the actual energy or essence. And that's what all of this is about, you know, getting rid of the form and going to the actual essence of what it is and that it rebirths itself just like we do in, in the concepts of re, re, um, reincarnation is that you rebirth yourself. And, right. You know, so I was, well, I was perhaps, really... Well, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Per, perhaps we take uh, our quick break and then we can talk oh. more about destruction. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. All right. We'll be we'll be right back. Right back. You're listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Stay tuned as more magic is coming your way right after these messages. LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, Fit and Foxy, Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays, 6 to 7, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. We're back. Hello? Are we back? Sorry. Yeah, I had myself on mute and then it wouldn't unmute. Oh my God! I was thinking. I was going, starting to I take it personal. <laughs> we were talking about going back to the destruct. <laughs> okay, and we do need to mention at some point his his children, which a couple of them are pretty important here. So, sure. but anyway, destructive nature. Where do you want to start? This this is one of those where he gets very excited and things change. Um, well, one you know, there are several stories. So not only are are people uh, re- reincarnated and the gods are reincarnated, but so is the earth. And uh-huh. um, so Shiva and and Vishnu and Brahma have been responsible for um, creating and destroying and recreating the earth many times. Uh-huh. Um, and and so Shiva is the end, the last step, the final God in the process. And often, Uh sometimes what happens is Shiva um, gets so caught up in a situation, gets so angry about something. There's a a story about um, one of the incarnations of Parvati. I can't remember now which one, but Shiva isn't invited to a gathering. And in order to show her displeasure, 
in the fact that he was rudely treated, she jumps into the sacred fire and sacrifices herself. And Shiva is, you know, meditating while this happens. And then he finds out that while he was meditating, his wife just, you know, committed suicide to show her displeasure and the fact that he wasn't invited to the party. And he gets super pissed. And his anger rages and rages so that he starts, and this is another thing connected to Shiva, the sacred dance. Um, uh-huh. He starts the sacred dance that will destroy the world, and he is so caught up in that dance um, that it takes a, a huge act to get him to stop. And this is a story that repeats itself in many different ways. And this particular story, and I remember the incarnation. It's Sati. Um, Sati, they, the other gods recognize that Shiva is dangerously close to destroying everything, and it's not time yet. It's too soon. And so they take uh-huh. some of the ashes of Sati and they pour them on top of him. And just the connection to her ashes calms him and he stops dancing and they, they save the world from being destroyed before it's time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, definitely when he's called the Lord of the Dance, I'm sorry, I keep going back to, you know, the, the Irish. The river dance. Yes, the river dance. I'm like, oh, my God, no, 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 not that one, not that one. We're not over there. So <clears throat> refocus. Yes, yeah. and truly, he also got upset. You know, one of the other things that, and I know this is one of the things, that his his anger, you know, his yeah. flares is that he, he basically, um, she, Parvati, had out of the dust and her own body sweat created a child beautiful, loving child, fully formed and, and everything, and, and asked that this child who, you know, would basically be her gatekeeper, mm-hmm. and he took his job very seriously. And unfortunately, when Shiva came up to the gate and wanted to see his wife, Parvati, um, this individual called Ganesh, uh, mm-hmm. used his entry, and he got so upset that he ripped his head off. And, of course, right. then Parvati got pissed off. And, you know, wouldn't see him and didn't want to talk to him. And so he had to, until he recreated her child, but the only head that he could find was an elephant's head that because an elephant was passing by. So he put the head onto the body and reanimated it. And that is how we have, you know, the, the elephant-headed god uh, Ganesh, who, yep. you know, has you know, and I I've always thought of that as as kind of interesting about you know head because you notice they have a lot of head changing and and shifting, um, morphing, and of course so too do the Egyptians. Right. You know. Right. So that is also part of his his you know the, the anger part is it kind of goes a little wild there, forgets right. about you know the process. Yeah. So. Yeah. And um, I think Shri, uh, Shiva also and, and Parvati had the war god. And I'm going to try. It's Kartikaya. And in, in parentheses, it's also Skada or Kumara. And mm. um, so there was that, which was, you know, I went, hmm, war god. Hmm, interesting. Right, right. So, yeah, so... And um, the wealth god, and again, this is one of those Kubera, or, you know, in terms of the name 
I apologize if I butcher it, um, but those were the, the three deities, and I know that um, that the energies that came out of these these, and I'm sure there's a lot more. They just happen to like to talk about those as being like the primary that we have info on. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one of his big uh, Mahashivratri is one of the big. Uh, celebrations of Shiva. This year, it's already passed. It was on February 14th of 2018. Um, hmm. it, it, so we we missed it, but it it translates oh, as the, I know the great night of Shiva, and it's on the new moon in the month of Ma, Maagha. I would I think that's how that's pronounced. Um, and it is a day of fasting. So you know, Uh in popular legend, if you couldn't find anything to kill while you were hunting a hunter, you would have to wait on this on a branch of a specific tree, um, Uh in order to attract the deer. Well, okay, so this is based on this myth that you would have to throw specific tree leaves on the ground. When it Uh happened in this one particular year, the the hunter who did it didn't realize that there was a Shiva lingam beneath the tree. and Lord Shiva appeared and blessed him with wisdom. And on that day, the hunter decided to stop eating meat. Uh-huh. Uh, so then there's another myth connected to this whole, this holy day is that earth was faced with imminent destruction and Parvati and Shiva pledged to save the world. Um, Shiva was very pleased that Parvati wanted to help save the world. Uh, and so from that day onward, people began to worship them together and gave him this holy day where they would fast to show their willingness to save right. the world. And so the things that you leave out for offerings are obviously the Shiva Lingam. You give offerings uh-huh. to it. You, uh-huh. All the Hindu holidays are so bright and beautiful. I love that. You sing and you praise Lord Shiva. That You decorate with colorful decorations. And you leave wood apple leaves, cold water, and milk. Ooh, nice. Cold water specifically, I f- I'm finding interesting. I don't know why. Yeah. It's, just, it's interesting. Hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. maybe to keep the passion at a, at a chilled level. I don't know. I don't know. But, I, you know, I, I know. think also if you think about, you know, India in general, this isn't true everywhere of India. It's a huge country, but it's it's a warm country. So, in ancient times, cool water would have not been something that would have been easy to come by. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So it would have been a great offering. I mean, it, compared to places that have a lot of snow and cold, um, and kind of think, yeah, don't want it. But yeah. You know, right. So it, it's really interesting that I don't know. It, as you say, there are always flowers, and there's lots of you know, there's lots mm-hmm. of things that they kind of um, tempt. The, the deities with in terms of thanking them and, and being bright in, in, in terms of that um, situation. So, yeah, yeah. I kind of, I like that. You know, let's yeah. throw flowers on the, on the altar. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. Yeah. So, and obviously and, we have, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say another big part of Hindu celebrations are processions. And I think mm-hmm. I just said recently, we don't do enough processions in the Western world. I think you said it on the Hathor, which was... I think so, week. but they, they take yeah. huge, huge idols of Shiva out into the streets, and he's carried through the streets, and there are flowers and chanting and singing, and 
um, people come from all over the the land into the bigger cities in order to just catch a glimpse of the idol that they carry through the streets. Mm-hmm. How fun is that? Of course, in this specific festival, you're supposed to fast so that your wishes will be granted. But still, in mm-hmm. other festivals, there's you know you throw powders and you get to eat foods and there's flowers everywhere. This sounds amazing. We need more of this. Well, I think that's a really great idea. Of course, now, come on, I have to say, I'm going to have to, you know, kind of give a little sidebar here to the, the Catholic faith. I mean, they do take their their icons and their saints and they parade them. You know, they do their procession. So nice. um, I think that is also part of the process. And I think even in the Greeks, they did a lot of processing with yeah. the uh, things. I think it's just we as pagans don't do a lot of processing. I think that's the issue. Well, and I think in the United States we don't. The, what you know, there's parades, but that's not that's the same. You know? No, 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 no. You know, uh, my thought is we do protests and parades. <laughs> <laughs> we don't process. Right. We forgot the other P. You know that that's it. Oh well. But, uh, I know, we have to just kind of figure it out. But I also found it interesting that he is considered the Lord of Yoga. Right. You know, which I was like, hmm, yoga. Okay, that's, you know, but that's his ascetic side. You know, the, the, the mm-hmm. other side of the, the creation passion, but the other side. He is a duality, but not in the the either or. It's and and both. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because I was going, God of God of the yoga, yeah, I love it, great, you know. <laughs> but um, it was only about being very, very focused and and controlled and celibate and you know, kind of in. But okay, you know, I can go yeah. with that somewhat. So uh, the art of meditation. So he was, he's got a lot, a lot of things. This is one busy dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and part of the breakdown of his name is liberation, final emancipation, and the auspicious one, you know, uh-huh. like because he brings the final end of everything, the the final destruction of everything. And I like how that's phrased as liberation and final emancipation. You know, there's uh-huh. the, this idea that destruction is something bad is not what Shiva is about. Shiva is actually, as a deity, Shiva is quite genial and most of the time and joyful uh-huh. and kind. And so we have this this almost gentle God who is the destroyer of everything because mm-hmm. that, that is mm-hmm. sometimes the kind and gentle thing to do. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it, it, it works, you know, it works in, in the way that these, uh, this tradition sees it. And right. I think when you look at why people flocked to, you know, ashrams and meditation and uh, yoga and the different things that are part, not just of this God, but of the the culture, but specifically we've already mentioned some of the things that fall under this deity's, you know, um, hold on on the situation, is that people were looking for finding a way to balance the opposites of themselves and their world. So, right. 
he has that. He is very gentle, and yet he also has this, you know, slow to anger, but when he does, watch out mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it, it, uh, it's it been a real interesting experience working, getting the information, and you know, they always have so many stories. I mean, this is this is, you know, there's just so many stories, and they're so convoluted <laughs> and mm-hmm. trying to follow well, their, their path. Yeah, and like we've talked about with other gods and goddesses when we've done shows on them, you know, India is a huge country. It's a huge landscape. And so when we're, you know, we're talking about Shiva and there is much modernization and even in Hinduism, but there are all these different stories of Shiva because of the way he shows up in different parts of India and you know, all of these stories are a little bit different of a version or a little bit different of an energetic or a little bit different of of a focus. So right. you have to, we always have to keep that in mind, you know. And that's, you know, a very wise way. He's but it all comes it's very there's um there's a, a, a sense of being very um earthy. I guess, mm-hmm. you know, he may be very celestial in some of the things he does because, of course, he is a god and, you know, that. But there's an earthiness to him. And maybe that aspect is what, um, with Dionysus, he's very earthy. He's very he's very with the people, the things, the, the, the woods and, and all. I mean, there's a sense right. of that. So I uh, I had a lot of fun and a lot of interest in what I did find out because it, it really, you know, some of it I, oh, yeah, I know this, I know that. But it was, it was, I mean, he comes, the, the actual deity comes from Rudga, or Rudga, mm-hmm. was it Rudga? Mm-hmm. Rudra, yeah, can't say it, Rudra. And yeah. that was a very primitive version that, you know, became pre uh, Bronze Age, and then you kind of go on from there and come forward. And, um, you know, it's, he's got a long life. He's just changed, as you say, from one part of India all the way down into the tip, and it changes. But it, Yeah. So he, he's a very changeable guy. I like him. Right. <laughs> but... Um, so we actually are almost at our time. Do we want to kind oh, yeah. of do any kind of a, a closure or saying anything more? I think we've we've wandered through with with great enthusiasm for what we've got. I don't know if there's yeah. I mean, I think the lot. only thing I, the only thing I would add is if you are feeling you know called or curious about exploring a relationship with Shiva or really any Hindu god is to understand. You know, there's the the Vedic Vedic a system is is what the spirituality is and so looking more mm-hmm. at the vedic systems and how you can connect mm-hmm. into the into that part of the spiritual side of it will help you um connect into the worship and the devotion side of it cuz it's not really about hinduism it's more about the vedic system um right right but it's you know it's it's beautiful and interesting and deep and it's a culture that has existed for thousands of years, and these gods have been worshipped for thousands of years without interruption. And my experience when working with deity who have not been um, through a period of death 
like some of the other traditions that we've talked about on this show is that they they mm-hmm. listen. They're much more um, they're faster to respond. They're very alive, especially if you go to a, a Hindu temple, even if it's, mm-hmm. you know, in California, there are Hindu temples that you can visit and and the, mm-hmm. the pulse and the vibration is fascinating and beautiful. So it's definitely, it's worth checking out. Oh, definitely, definitely. And um, like a lot of what we've experienced in our own explorations is when you actually get to go into one of the traditional temples or ritual you know, processions or mm-hmm. things that you can participate in, you you feel it because the right. people that are, the, the the devotees that are doing this are there and you personally mm-hmm. will get an understanding of the feel and that that feels mm-hmm. good along with anything that you do cuz you know we also talk about being responsible about checking out yeah you know what you're going to be doing and where you're going to go but it's it's important to do that but it's the feel does it feel yeah. right? Is it yeah. right? Absolutely. So. Respecting the origins. Yep. Yes. Yes. So. Well, on that note, next, we should probably tie it up. Yeah. Well, um, next week we're going to do circle. We're going to do a tradition. Um, mm-hmm. I believe it's Circle Sanctuary, correct? Right. Circle Sanctuary and Selena Fox. Yes. So, who was at Pathiacon, I believe. Yeah, she's usually at PantheaCon. She's an adorable fire plug. I've, I've enjoyed virtually everything I've gone to that she's presented. It's she's she's a lovely woman who's done wonderful mm-hmm. things for the pagan community. Mhm, mhm. Well, I I am part of her Facebook uh, friends list, and I always love the things that she posts and the pictures of the rituals and the devotions that she puts mm-hmm. up. So it'll be very interesting to get a little bit more of a base understanding of where she comes from. So that'll be yeah. exciting and uh, we will still be here even though the rains are coming and coming. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I hope you feel much better and your body, mm-hmm. um, your uterus doesn't spend too much time rebelling. And Yeah, I'm going to go get a heating pad and sit on the couch and and maybe drink some alcohol. <laughs> oh, there you go. Probably will do wonders for whatever goes on and if not, what the hell, it feels good, right? Yeah, give it a shot. That's right. There's nothing a hot <laughs> right, toddy right can't here. fix. Not a bloody thing. No pun intended. <laughs> All right. Thanks All right. for listening. Well, everyone, take care. Have a good time and a wonderful week. Talk to you in a week. And happy Holly. Happy Holly. Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. 
Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Gwion Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.